right, if you got a Bible, Ezekiel chapter 37 is where we're going today. We are starting a brand new series um, called From Wounds to Wins. Um, during the next several weeks, we're going to really be looking at um, how to live a life of victory that Jesus has promised us um, and, and how, to, um, how to embrace the healing that takes place in our lives through Jesus. Um, I've been kind of working through these messages for the past several months, and it started, um, it started with my daughter Chloe. Um, she asked me this question. She's like, hey, Daddy, what's the greatest amount of physical pain that you've ever experienced? Now, for me, um, I don't have to even think about that. I know automatically it's 1992, specifically January 8th, 1992. Um, that night, I wrapped my 1988 Yugo um, around a tree. Some of you, some of you have heard this story before. Um, that's it right there. I was a senior in high school. Um, I was driving probably uh, way too fast. I know none of you believe that. Um, I was probably um, it, the the roads were like wet and snowy. Um, I think at the time um, I tried to tell my mom and dad that I swerved to uh, or hit the brakes to miss a dog. Um, I'm not really sure if there ever was a dog involved in the story or anything, um, but. Um, but I hit this tree head on. Now, I don't, I don't remember much um, after hitting that tree, uh, mostly because I was in and out of consciousness. I remember looking over um, and seeing the engine on the passenger seat and thinking, that's not good. Um, I remember the EMTs cutting me out of the car. I remember a helicopter um, landing in the field across the street. I, I remember snapshots and, and bits and pieces um, of the event. Um, I remember more of it because somebody, I don't know who took these photos. Um, I have a bunch of photos. Somebody just s took them and like six months later they sent them to us. I don't know if it's like a training thing for EMTs or what, but we have all these weird videos. Some of them are a little bit grosser than others. They're like inside the car and there's blood and all this other nasty stuff. Um, but, but the thing I remember the most, I, I will probably never forget, is the pain. Um, the pain was absolutely excruciating. It was incredibly painful. Everybody in here right now knows what it's like to experience some sort of physical pain, right? For, for example, how many of you have ever broken a bone? Ever broken a bone? Anybody in here ever broken a bone? Um, I broke my nose one time. Um, that's probably another story for another time. You don't want to know it right now. Um, trust me, I don't even know if it's a church story. Um, but I broke my nose once. That's the only broken bone I have even out of that. Um, I had some dislocations and stuff from the um, in the car accident, but nothing was actually broken. Um, but for those of you who have broken a bone, you understand um, that with a broken bone comes some physical pain. Yes or no? Yes. All right. Now, not everybody has broken a bone, but everyone has done this, stubbed a toe, right? Every, anybody in here never stubbed their toe? Stubbing the toe hurts, right? And stubbing a toe, it's like one of those Murphy Law things, happens between 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the morning, right? Like it just always happens when you don't want it to. A stubbed toe brings physical pain, yes or no? Yes, that kind of rhymed. Got the spirit of Dr. Dre going this morning. Physical toe. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm a little bit off today. All right. Um, the thing about physical pain, here's the thing. You can't hide it. You, you, just, you just can't. I don't care how tough you are. If you walk out of this room today and you kind of take a wrong turn and, and you trip and you snap your ankle and you, by the way, you ever heard anybody snap an ankle? You, you ever heard that? That's a sound you'll never forget, right? Snapping an ankle, it's not good. But if that happens to somebody today, they can't hide it. You cannot hide physical pain. Physical pain causes even the strongest person to cringe at times. That's something we all understand, physical pain. 
But there are other kinds of pain that we can hide, like emotional pain. Like, you can hide emotional pain, right? You can kind of push that aside. If you're going through a tough time emotionally, you can put on a fake smile, and you can tell everybody you're doing fine. You can hide that for a while. We'll talk about that later on in this series. But emotional pain, you can hide. Another type of pain you can hide is spiritual pain. We can take that, we can kind of push that down too. In fact, in the church world, we're actually taught to hide it instead of talking about it. We're told things like, People who love Jesus never go through dark times, right? We're told people that love Jesus never experience valleys in their life. People that love Jesus just never deal with difficult situations. We're told if we're going through a tough time, it's because we don't have enough faith. We're told if we're going through a tough time, it's because of all this sin that we have in our life. And if we just had more faith, if we just read our Bible more, or if we just prayed more, or you just served more, or if you just do whatever in the church more, then you will never deal with anything difficult in your life. And guess what? That's just not true. Here's what I know about church. In any church across America or even across the world today, people are sitting in the room who are completely wounded. And and I'm sure there are some people in this room right now today that are like that. And I'm not just talking about physically, because we could all see that. If you've got a cast on, we can see that. If you've got the little knee scooter thing and you're buzzing around, you're on crutch, like like we, we can see that. I'm talking emotionally and I'm talking spiritually. Emotionally and spiritually, you've been wounded, but you don't You don't talk about it because we've been, again, taught, hey, in church, we don't talk about those things because if we talk about those things, people look down on us. If we talk about those things, it actually makes us weak. If we talk about those things, we can't be on the leadership team. If we talk about those things and we can't serve, we talk about those things, right? And so we hold them in. And listen, when we hold them in, it is never, ever, ever good because then we begin to act upon the things that we're holding in. It begins to take us in directions that we said that we would never go. And we began to do things at that point that then do disqualify us for leadership, that do disqualify us to serve, that do put us in positions that we can't. Because we haven't dealt with the emotional and spiritual pain inside of us because in the church world, we're told, "Uh uh-uh. So today, we're going to talk about it. And we're just going to rip the Band-Aid right off. And and I'm going to talk about it in a way that's probably... I'm um, not been addressed in the past because most sermons on this subject are like, get over it. Just get over it. Just do more. Try harder. Let's pray and go home. Amen. Right? That's, that's it. That, that's not the sermon today. Um, the sermon today is going to be out of a passage, um, a scripture out of the book of Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel has some really, 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 really cool stuff in it. Ezekiel has some really confusing stuff in it as well. Um, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite stories out of the book of Ezekiel. Um, it's got a bunch of different messages in it, a um, bunch of different meanings, a bunch of different things, a bunch of different directions um, that we could go with it. We're just going to talk about one of them today, though. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, starts out like this. The hand of the Lord was on me. Now, let's just stop real quick. If the hand of the Lord is on you, then naturally you think something great is going to happen, Right? You think you're going to go somewhere great. If somebody says, ooh, the hand of the Lord was on me, you expect them to say, and I got better, right? If somebody says, the hand of the Lord was on me, you expect them to say, and I got the new job, right? 
The hand of the Lord was on me, and everything was awesome. The hand of the Lord was on me. I felt great. The hand of the Lord was on me, and the hand of the Lord took me to a great place. That's what we expect to happen, right? Watch this, because that's how Ezekiel starts out. And when we look at that, we're like, ooh, sweet, Zeke, tell me more. This is going to be awesome. But watch what happens. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, hold on a second. I don't do scary. I don't do scary places. I don't do scary movies. I don't do scary anything. Now, I know. No, let me, let me just say this, because I know some right now, somebody's thinking, <laughs> I'm going to scare you sometime. Uh-uh, don't. That's just, like, not a good thing. Like, like here, here's, the, here's the thing you need to know about Pastor Ryan. I will always take it further than it ever had to go. I promise you. Like, like somebody, somebody asked me one time, well, will you sin? I don't know. M- maybe. I got, like, a permit to carry, so I, I don't, I just... I'm not really quite sure what will happen with that. Just, I'll just say not a good idea. All right, so, so I love scaring you. I'm just not good if you, like, bring it back at me. I'm just, I'm just not. So not a fan of the scary. But do you know that sometimes God will lead you to scary places? D- did you know that? Sometimes God will lead you to scary places. This kind of blows up the whole mentality of God's always going to lead you to the land of rainbows and puppy dogs, and you get to eat Lucky Charms all day. And uh, Like, God led Ezekiel, think about this, God led Ezekiel to a valley full of bones. Then he goes on to say this, he led me back and forth amongst them. God, you only got to show me one time. Like, that's it. Like, just show me. I'll, I'll glance, and I'll turn away. I'll get whatever you got to say next, God. I'm on it. But, but he keeps showing Ezekiel these bones. He led me back and forth, and, he, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. That's, that's huge. It's very important. Because, well, let me set it up like this. If the hand of the Lord is going to be on me, I'd prefer he take me to Tahiti. Anybody else? Like, if the hand of the Lord is going to be on me, I prefer he sent me to, like, a five-star resort in Cancun. I don't want to go to the valley of dry bones. Dry bones means they have been there for a long, long, long time. All the flesh, all the skin, all the tendons, everything has rotted off, right? It takes a long time for that to happen. Now, we got to ask, ask ourselves this question. Why? Why were the bones there? Well, I've done a little bit of research on this, and a lot of people have speculated, but most people, most scholars believe um, that, it was, that this was some sort of army. They were going into battle, and they had obviously lost the fight. And so there are a couple of options of why the bones were there. Number one was because of something that they did. Something they did. In, in other words, they made a, a military mistake. They made a military miscalculation. They thought, hey, this is where we need to go. This is what we need to do. We're going to come over here. We're going to kick some butt. And then, boom, <laughs> they made a mistake. Like, they screwed up. They messed up. Whatever tag, label, whatever you want to put on that, however you want to say it, they made a mistake. It was on them. Or the second option was because of something that was done to them. Something that was done to them. So, so the bones could have been there because they were going through the valley, and on the way to fight on the other side of the valley, they got ambushed in the valley. And when the enemy comes and ambushes you, 
I mean, like we all know this. When the enemy comes after us, like we hardly ever see it coming. And so they didn't have time to react. They didn't have time to, to, to get in position, and so they lost their lives. Now, when you're looking at this text, ask yourself this question. How did the bones feel? Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. Bones don't have feelings, all right? But, but let's pretend, all right? Let's pretend that the bones have feelings. If the bones had feelings, how did they feel? Well, the first thing they probably felt was forgotten. And, and, and you can't blame them, right? You, you just can't. I mean, you, you would have figured that at least somebody would have had the, the common courtesy to come and honor the dead and to bury the dead, right? They were out fighting for someone or something. We, we don't know who or what, but all of a sudden, like, like they're, they're just, they're dead, their flesh has rotted off, they're just there, they're just dry, and nobody had come and buried the bones. And so they had probably felt forgotten by people, probably felt forgotten about by God. The second thing I think the bones probably felt is useless. Because at the end of the day, what can a pile of dry bones accomplish? Nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Why in the world are we talking about this? Because some people here today, you feel like those dry bones spiritually. You're wounded. And you're hurt. And today... You're carrying that with you. And, and listen, maybe it's because of something you did. Because every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room has done something stupid. Everybody. There's not a single person sitting in here right now going, not me. I've made wise decisions my entire life. <laughs> not, none of us, right? There's not a single person in here that's not completely jacked up. Every single one of us has done something we regret. Every one of us has regrets, including spiritual regrets. Maybe last week, maybe spring break, might have been two years ago, it might have been some season in your life, but every one of us carries with us some sort of spiritual regret. And, and listen, that spiritual regret, if we're not careful, can keep us pushed down and pressed down, and it ultimately robs the life out of us and leaves us feeling like we're dry bones. I know there's some people in here today dealing with some stuff. And, and listen, that's the type of stuff, the stuff we're talking about, this emotionally and spiritual hurt stuff, that stuff never goes away. It's stuff you felt like you dealt with a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. All of a sudden it pops back up because it's something that you did. Or maybe it's because of something that was done to you. Maybe you're carrying with you something that happened to you. Somebody left you. Somebody abandoned you. Somebody gossiped about you. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody hurt you. And, and you know what? Ultimately, that can rob the life out of us, can it? And, and when it comes to you and your relationship with God, just like those dry bones, you feel forgotten. Like, I'm, not, I'm not lecturing you this morning. I'm not preaching at you. I know what it's like to be in this place. Um, our elders are, are doing something new this year. Every day, each of us, um, we take one person in our church and we specifically pray for them and, and their family. Um, and then we, then we let them know that, hey, today I've been praying about you or today I'm going to be praying about you, which, whichever um, each, each person is doing a little bit different. And so anyway, um, I texted this guy the other day and I let him know that I was praying for him. And, and he sent me back this text. He said, he said, God doesn't love me. And so I responded, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm sorry. 
Like, I, I know what it's like to feel that way, but actually, God does love you. And he, he responded back to me um, with a great question. And I'm sure all of us have, at least in our minds, if, um, have asked this question before. If we're honest, we've, we've asked it out loud, but we've at least in our minds thought this question before. He, he asked me this question. He said, if God loves me, then why is my life falling apart? If, if God loves me, then why is my life falling apart? You ever thought that? If God loves me, why is my life falling apart? You ever, you ever thought that? I have. I, I've thought that. God, if you love me, why is my life falling apart? I've had that thought, and I'm the pastor. You ever thought that? Like, it's natural. But we don't talk about that in the church, because if we, if we, if we question that, then all of a sudden we're considered unfaithful. And, and listen, I think it's only when we get honest and real with God it's only when we can sit and have a real, authentic conversation with God. That's when you experience true intimacy with God. Just a thought. Maybe I'll preach about that sometime. But we've got to be honest, and we've got to be real with God. But because of what we did, and because of, something that, or because of something that was done to us, we feel forgotten by God, and then we feel useless. There may be some people here right now that know when it comes to spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically, you feel completely useless in life. If that's you, you're in the right place today because of what we're about to see. Check out this next thing. Verse 3. He asked me, so, so God asked Ezekiel a question. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now hold up. <laughs> if I'm with you and we're together and we're walking through the graveyard and I look at you and I say, can these bones live? You're going to go, no, crackhead, they cannot, right? Like that is going to be your answer. No, it's not possible. But, but don't miss this. God is not, like, like he's asking Ezekiel this question, not because he wants to know the answer, because he's God and God knows all of the answers, right? God knows the answer to the question. God is asking Ezekiel this question to test Ezekiel's faith. Ezekiel, what do you think, dude? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives the most politically correct answer ever. Like, dude could have been a politician with this answer. Look at this. I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Isn't that easy? Can these bones live? You know. You know. I'm sure he just shrugged his shoulders just like that, like a teenager. You know. You know. Like, like he didn't want to say no, because if he said no, that meant he didn't have any faith. He didn't want to say yes. And look stupid, so he just took the easy way out. Can these bones live, Zeke? You know. You know. So God comes back around and speaks to him again. And he says this. Look at this, verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. This, for me, this is where, like, if God and I are talking about this, this is where I go, um, dude, you want me to preach to these bones? Like, I, I, can maybe pick up these bones it's going to be yucky and gross um, but I can pick them up and I can bury the bones um, I can maybe assemble the bones back together I kind of wire them up make skeletons and freak people out who try to scare me um, I could do that but you want me to preach to bones God like seriously but listen don't miss this this is huge this is huge 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 he tells them to preach because God's word always brings life. God's word always brings life. God's word always brings life. 
And, and I know people, again, maybe some of you in this room, have felt like that God's word hasn't brought you life. You felt like it's brought you death. Like, like you haven't felt encouraged by God's word. You felt beaten by God's word. And, and that's because, well, the, the Bible says that the word of God is like a sword. It slices. But you've encountered people that took it from a sword and turned it sideways into a bat, and you've been beaten. And I want you to understand, that was not God's word. That was man's word in God's disguise. Because God's word always builds up. It does not tear down. God's word always encourages. It does not rip apart. And so what God is going to speak, when he speaks his word, God's word always brings life. Always brings life. Keep going. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Now, I love, love, love the fact right here that God acknowledges their issue. God doesn't dismiss the fact that these bones are there and they're dry. He calls out their condition, which is what he calls out to every one of us. Don't miss that. He calls out to us what we're going through. When we're stuck in something, whether it's worry or fear, depression, anxiety, what, what, whatever it is, like God is going to call us out in our condition because he wants to speak life to us it's up to us we'll get to this in a second but it's up to us of whether or not we're going to move into what God is calling us to move into or if we're going to remain a pile of dry bones does that make sense if not it, it will prophesy to these these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord this is what the sovereign word says to these bones stop being dead doesn't say that does it how effective would that message be? Stop being dead. Knock it off. You, you, you ever met somebody that's got a problem or an addiction? You ever met somebody like that? Have you ever had a problem or an addiction? Like, like this, is, this is one of my favorite things. You'll talk to people and say, wait, you should knock it off. You should stop doing that. Why don't you just stop? <laughs> You're a freaking genius, man. You should write a book. You should open up a counseling center because you can make bank bringing people in hey just stop just knock it off next come here sit down stop knock it off next you ever figured out that that does not work it's great advice but somebody that's caught up in a certain condition somebody that's caught up in an addiction they don't know how they'd love to stop but they don't know how to stop they don't even know why they do it sometimes and instead of beating the bones down for being in that condition, look what happens here. I will make breath enter you. Now, now wait a minute. He, did he tell the bones to do something for themselves, or did he tell the bones he was going to do something for them? Wh which one? Something for themselves, or, or was he going to do something for them? See, see, it's not about what we can do on our own power. It's what the power of God can do in us once we realize that apart from him, we really are up a creek. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover with you with skin. I will put breath in you. That's the second time he promised that. I will put breath in you. And you will come to life. Second time he promised that. Second time he promised life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I love, love, love the fact right here that he's telling Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, don't speak to them about their past. Speak to them about their potential. 
Don't tell them what they did wrong. Tell them what I'm going to do for them. Don't tell them how bad it's been. Tell them about how great it's going to be. Don't speak death. Speak life to these bones. Ezekiel, you preach to them hope. That's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the direction that we're going with our church this year. I want this to be a place that's filled with hope. I want this to be a place that's filled with encouragement. I want this to be a place that's filled with joy. I want this to be a place that's filled with peace. I want this to be a place where you understand and you know and you embrace and, and, and you live with the understanding that God really does have a plan for your life. I want this to be a place where you know you are not useless, you are not abandoned, you are not forgotten by God. I want this to be a place where you understand you have a purpose on this planet because you were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. Do you understand what a flipping miracle you are? Turn to the person right now and tell them, you're a flipping miracle. Just tell them. I know some of you are like, I don't say the word flipping. Hang out with me long enough. You will. Seriously, do you, do you know how much of a miracle you really are? I, I, I want you to wrap your mind around this. Um, the other day, because it's Super Bowl Sunday, um, I was looking at odds the other day. I was looking at odds of who was going to win and stuff like that, and a bunch of other ones popped up. Some of these are fascinating. How many, of you, how many of you are afraid of lightning? Anybody in here afraid of thunderstorms and lightning? It's okay. You can own it. It's a safe place to be weird. It's, it's cool. Do you know your odds of getting struck by lightning are 1 in 700,000? 1 in 700,000. How many of you are afraid of sharks? Anybody afraid of sharks? <laughs> I love shark diving. I, I do. Um, however, about 10 years ago, a little bit more, um, I went on a great white shark dive, a cave dive with um, great white sharks. Um, probably the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. It make me think twice about um, getting in the Pacific Ocean ever again. Um, but your odds of getting attacked by a shark are 1 in 11.5 million. 1 in 11.5 million. Um, how, many of you, how many of you play the lottery? Anybody in here play the lottery? Notice my hand is up too. All right. How many of you ever bought a lottery ticket? All right, yeah, somebody got to win, right? Some, somebody got to win that money. I know, you tithe off of it. Like, bless your heart. It's awesome. Um, but one, your odds of winning the lottery, one, and this is depending on how many people play and how big the thing is or whatever, but one in 175 million. One in 175 million. Um, so a few different odds. But out of all these, out of all the ones that I read, this is the one that gets me. Your odds of being born, one in 400 trillion. One in 400 trillion you are a miracle if your dad would have stayed at work for 10 more minutes you're not here or if mom wouldn't have had an extra glass of wine right like that's probably a little bit more applicable I, I mean you have a greater odds of getting struck by lightning while being eaten by a shark and winning the lottery than being born you are not a mistake you are a miracle. I don't care what anybody has ever told you about your life. God really does have a plan and a purpose for you. And his purpose is to bring us from death to life. Let's keep going. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So, so this is what Ezekiel is saying. I just did what I was told. I, I, I didn't question it. I didn't ask. I did what I was told. Not, I think this is what will work. And so I'll try this. And maybe God, like he didn't argue back with God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever doubted that God could truly work in your life so you didn't do what he said? You ever done that? It's okay to say yes, because I have, and I'm the pastor, right? We've all done that. Ezekiel's just like, I just, I just did what I was told. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise. <laughs> this is messed up. You, you ever heard a noise like in the middle of the night? You ever, you ever done that? Now imagine that you're in the middle of the night in the graveyard and you hear a noise. How many of you run into the car? Uh, all right, yeah, most, most of us. Now imagine you're in the middle of the valley of dry bones. There ain't no car around. It's just you and God. And you start preaching, and all of a sudden, you hear a noise. Me? I'm out. Like, I'm just gone. But Ezekiel, he starts looking around, and this is what he sees. I hear a sound, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Can you imagine this? This is freaky right here. And then this next part, this is where it gets even more creepy. Um, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. This is the walking dead right here in the Bible. That's what this is. This is walking dead right in the Bible. Can you imagine this happening? As you are preaching, bones are just flying all over the place, and then skin is coming on. It's a process. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. this is a, it's a process. It's a process. One of the things that you need to understand about healing, and this is what we're going to be talking about this entire series. This is the key to this whole series of Wounds to Win, is that healing is a process. We understand about processes, right? We, we understand if we break something, it's a process for that to be healed, right? Like if you left today, again, we kind of used this illustration earlier, but if you left and you broke your leg, let's say you're walking out the door and you turn around to, to tell somebody, hey, goodbye or, or whatever, and you trip and you break your leg, nobody in their right mind would come up and say, hey, brother, I'm going to pray for you. And then we pray over them and look at them and say, God says that all broken things will be healed and just leave them. Like we understand that would be cruel, right? N none, of us, none of us would do that. But somebody, especially in the church world, somebody that's broken emotionally or spiritually, we do that to them. Now I'm going to pray for you. Well, the Bible says, and we call that care, call that pastoral care, call that ministerial care. And see, what gets me kind of sideways on that is we understand that, that that stuff doesn't work physically. But somehow we think that a prayer and a Bible verse, we can fix people who are broken emotionally and spiritually. And, and listen, we do get healed by God, but hear me. It's not just through a prayer. I'm not saying prayer doesn't work. Prayer definitely works. I'm not saying I don't believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. But the process is a miracle as well, right? Like, like, like think about this. Would you agree that childbirth is a miracle, yes or no? Ladies, ladies only. Is it a process, yes or no? Yes. Anything we have significant in life is a process. Healing is a process. It takes time. And so if you're in the middle of a situation that has you weighed down, it has you frustrated, has you aggravated, if you want to throw your hands up, it doesn't mean you're ungodly. It means you're normal. And my encouragement to you today is this. Hang on in the process and trust, 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 trust in God's process. Because you might be in the part right now where he's just bringing bones together. Or you might be in the part where he's covering the tendons with flesh. Or, or you might be in the part where you're assembled, but you don't feel like you have any breath yet. But at the end of the day, you need to understand that it's a process to get you healed. God will bring you through the healing 
uh, God will bring you to a point where you're healed, but it is a process. I, I've learned the hard way. Instead of being frustrated with the process, I need to be thankful that I'm actually in the process. And I need to understand that God cares enough about me to say, I want you healed. Now notice, there's no breath in them. That, that, that's a big deal, right? Because if you've got a body with no breath, it's dead. And, and I think, well, I don't think, I know this is the, the, the breath right here is symbolic of the Holy Spirit actually consuming and controlling our lives. I don't know if you've ever lost your breath. I don't know if you've ever had the breath knocked out of you. Um, anybody, anybody been there? Had the breath knocked out of me a few times. Um, that's a scary feeling for a second, right? Uh, but, but then, when that breath comes back, when somebody sits you up and you're, you're next to your knees or however they do it, and, and you get that breath back, it is like the greatest feeling in the world, isn't it? The reason I say that is because I would bet there are some people here saying, if I could just breathe spiritually, it would be a miracle. Which is why I love that God does not leave them like this. He could have. Like, like he could have done all this. Bones together, flesh, tendons, all of that stuff, man. And that would have been like still top ten miracles in the Bible. But he goes a little bit further. Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. In other words, keep preaching, Zeke. Keep speaking life. Keep speaking life. Keep speaking life. Keep speaking life into these people. Let me say this, because I feel like I need to say this. If you have a friend or a family member that's really wrestling with an issue, if we will speak life to them instead of death, if you'll speak hope instead of hurt, you'll see them enter the healing process way faster than you telling them, knock it off or stop it. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and come to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. In other words, again, I just, I just did. I didn't even question it. I just did what God told me to do. I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Here we see in 10 verses, God took bones and turned them back into living breathing people if he did it for them he can do it for every single one of us in this room so what needs to happen what needs to happen for us to enter the healing process in order for us to get into the healing process begin the healing process what needs to happen well number one we need to understand that God sees you exactly where you are God sees you exactly where you are you you, got to get that you got to understand that that's that's the first step There are probably people here who have had this thought this week. Has has God forgotten about me? Has God forgotten about me? And all of a sudden today, you find yourself in a room listening to a message, hearing somebody tell you, God has not forgotten about you. He has not. He sees exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows your exact condition. He knows. The second thing is we need to understand that God wants to bring healing into your life. God wants to bring healing into your life. Well, Ryan, if God wants me healed, why am I not healed? Because it's a process. Because it's a process. And many of us haven't even began the process. It can begin for us today, but we haven't started. So how does it start? Well, healing begins with, I need help. I I need help. 
Healing does not begin with us saying, well, I'm just going through some stuff and it'll be okay. We'll get past it. Trust me, that does not work. Healing begins when we raise our hand and we say, hey, I need some help. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be, what's that word say? What's it say? What's it say? Healed, right? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Some of you, the reason that you can't get healed is because you haven't confessed to others. You think you can just sit and do this thing on your own. You think you can just sit in the corner and play the victim for the rest of your life. Victims never walk in victory, never. And as long as you sit in your pity party, feeling sorry for yourself because of the condition that you're in and don't stand up and don't ask for help, you're not going to begin the healing process. Asking for help is a part of the process. And so I don't know today, I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God can and will heal you. I, I, I do. And, and, and if you want to move, if you want to move from wounds to wins, then you just got to take the first step and ask and then trust the process. Let's pray.